What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning to those of you tuning to me online this morning. Whether you are Next Level Freedom Church family already or there are those of you that are tuning online, possibly in other countries, or just been kind of catching us from a distance, maybe you're considering a church home, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. Let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Trent Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. Our address currently is the Jackson Civic Center, which is located at 381 East Deerwood Drive. If you're looking for a church home and a family that will accept you and hopefully help you to get to the next level in your life, then we would love to have you and your family join us next Sunday at Next Level Freedom Church. Those of you tuning right now that may not have caught the announcement but you're catching this video, uh, this week I was going to be out of town on Sunday, so I have elected to do this as an online message this morning. So thank you so much for tuning in. Today we're going to be continuing our series on Job, in which we have simply entitled, Why? And over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about a couple of questions concerning why, as we've been discussing Job. The first week we just asked simply, Why follow God. Now, we talked about that the first week. Why are we following God, really? What is your reasoning behind trying to seek after or follow God? Last week, and I really didn't tie it all back to the question, so I apologize for that. I'm going to try to do a better job today. But we talked about why worship God. Job is in the midst of a tragedy. He has lost everything that he physically has, except for his wife, who we found last week, who's not that much of an encouragement. And now he's got these three friends that are sitting around him. They've been sitting quietly for seven days and seven nights, haven't said a word. Can you imagine Imagine sitting quietly on what we believe and discussed last week to be the town garbage dump outside of the city with a friend that you don't even recognize anymore because that's kind of where they were at. But can you imagine sitting quietly for a whole week, seven days and seven nights, and not saying a word? I think many of us would have to say something. That's just the society we live in. We see something going on that maybe we don't agree with or we don't understand, so we just begin talking, asking questions. But they have been sitting quietly for seven days and seven nights. That's one week, and I keep emphasizing that because I want you to understand it's been a while. They've been just sitting here in this town dump of ash and things. Job, their buddy, has got boils all over his skin. We talked last week. We don't think that actually is indicating leprosy. We think it's some sort of skin inflammation that's going on inside of him. He's lost everything. He's lost his family. He's lost servants. He's lost his livestock. He's lost all of these things. Physically, he has nothing left. And last week, his wife approached him 
and said, are you still holding your integrity? Basically, give up, accept your fate, curse God and die. Just do it. Well, why are you still pushing forward with this thing? Because remember, this whole situation gets back to this person who has challenged God's policies and he's wanting to understand how this Job guy is thinking. Because we've talked about this really, the book of Job is not necessarily just about Job. It is about this challenger challenging God's policies. Well, what policies are we talking about? The policies that seemed, at least in that day, to be indicating that if you were a righteous person, you had stuff. But if you weren't righteous, you lost everything. In other words, back in that day, whether they believed in one God or many gods, they believed that if you had stuff, you were physically rich and wealthy and your health was good, then you had the favor of the gods. And if you didn't have anything or you had a health problem, then they just blamed that you, the gods didn't like you very much. That was their way of thinking back then. And so now, Job has lost everything. He went from having something. So the thing that these friends are bringing to the table now, which may not have been their original intent, but once they've arrived, now they're wanting to know what has this guy done to possibly cause this to come upon himself. Remember that the first round that we discussed, I mean the first week when God took everything physical away from him, the first week it brought mental anguish associated with loss. He lost everything. The second week, last week, the second round of stuff that came upon him because the challenger returns to God and says, okay, he lost everything and he still, still seems pretty righteous, but go ahead and affect his body and see what happens. So God gave the challenger permission to affect his body, but he told him one thing at the end. He said, you cannot kill him. His life, you don't have that authority. But I go ahead and strike him with something and see what happens. Because really the challenger is trying to get at something here. He's trying to get at is Job's righteousness, where he's make, he made all these sacrifices and things before he lost everything, literally about seeking righteousness? Or is it because he's got everything and he doesn't have to worry about all that stuff? Is that why he gives the appearance of righteousness? So the real question that the challenger is trying to get at here is, Job's got all this stuff, God. Of course he's going for righteousness. Take that away. See what happens. He's going to curse you to his face. When that didn't work, he came back and he said, oh yeah, he lost stuff, fine. But go ahead and strike his body. Touch his body and see what happens. He'll curse you to his face. And last week came the boils, came the things on his skin. So... The second round, it brought physical problems that were associated with pain physically. He was in pain. He was in anguish, the word is telling us there. And then in the first trial, remember, God takes away the good. He took away all the prosperity and all that things. He took, took away all the stuff. And now he's bringing the bad. In other words, he's allowing Job to be plagued in his body with boils. But Job, so far in our story has accepted the fact that God has the right to do both. He has the right to give. He has the right to take away. So it's all with God, but so far it has been without cursing God, which sets us up today. Remember we started at the beginning talking about they've been sitting quietly for a week, seven days, seven nights. They've been sitting here, just looking at each other, I guess, and they're sitting around. Our key passage as we get ready to get started this morning 
is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what this is saying because I think this speaks a lot to Job's situation, but it also speaks a lot to our situations in our life. When we end up going through things, we can't understand why, but we just continue to press on and try to seek after God. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Now, so God brings comfort. Verse 4 says, Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, God shows us comfort through all situations so that we can show others that same comfort. Last week we talked about going through stuff. Sometimes we do not understand why we go through things in life, but understand this more than likely. Remember, God uses all things for good, so He is trying to use you. He's taking you through something that one day you're going to run into someone that you can relate to that are going through the same thing and the only reason you're going to be able to relate to them is because you've been through it. So that's one way we'll seek and look after these type of things. But remember, God comforts us so that we can show comfort to others. It's about letting them know, letting them in on this peace and this comfort that God brings to us. So here's how chapter 3 begins. Now we're not going to go through every chapter of the book of Job. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about chapter 3 today. Then we're going to jump ahead a little bit and I'm still debating on where to come in next time on this story. But I'm still praying about that. But know this, chapter 3 begins the poetry section of the book of Job, the poetry section. So this is where we're going to, and you notice by the way it's written more than likely in your Bible, the way it's laid out, it becomes poetry. Now this doesn't indicate that this is, oh, it's just a poem, it's not about a real man. What we believe, what I believe myself, is that this was a poem based upon a man's life that someone had written so that we could relate to him. And I think as you read Job today and you read his uh, what he's saying today, you're going to be able to relate to a lot of the things he's saying. Now, also the poetry of the book of Job, here we go, back to something we said the first week, is the most difficult in the Hebrew Bible. So the poetry, there's a lot of symbolism, there's a lot of things said, and it's difficult to interpret sometimes. So what we're going to do is just hit on the highlights as we go here. Here's what we know about Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3 is divided into three sections. The first section, which we're going to read here in just a second, is verses 3 through 10. And this is when Job curses the day he was born. As you get to verse 11 through 19, he expresses that he wishes he had never been born. And then the final section, which is verse 20 to 26 of chapter 3, says he turns to the misery of his present life. Now today, for those of you who have ever been through anything, I believe you're going to be able to relate. Now, Go ahead and ask yourself this question. The situation you're going through right now as you're listening to me, is it as bad as you think? Or now that you see Joe's life, he's lost everything, even his health. You thought your life was bad. 
Look at this guy. Is he going to be able to hold on to that righteousness is what we're really wanting to get at. So let's go ahead and begin reading there in Job chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 1 because it kind of introduces. 1 and 2 kind of introduce the chapter. And then 3 through 10 is where we'll break down the first section here in a minute. I don't know if we'll be before you long today because we're just kind of trying to hit on the topics that are necessary. But Job chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Here's what it says. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Now, this is after the seven days. They've been sitting quietly for seven days and seven nights. Job opens his mouth. And Job spoke and said, May the day perish of which I was born, and the night in which I, or which it was said a male child is conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death claim it. May a cloud settle on it. May the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, may darkness seize it. May it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of months. And may that night be barren. May no joyful shout come into it. May those curse it who cursed the day, those who are ready to arouse Leviathan. And may the stars of its morning be dark, and may it look for light, but have none, and not see the dawning of the day. Because it did not shut up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide the sorrow from my eyes. All of that said, Job is expressing himself here. What is he expressing? Well, he's cursing the day he was born. He's saying it should be better than it would remain dark. It would be better if this guy, this man, this man, me, wasn't conceived. It would be better if it didn't, he was cursed. It never existed, is what he's getting at. Now, there is no indication here, as we read through this, that Job counted benefits more than, or more important than righteousness. And what are you talking about there, Pastor? Well, Remember the challenger, what he was trying to do when he was challenging God on his policies, what he's trying to prove through Job is that if he's really seeking righteousness, then he's going to seek righteousness even if all of this stuff comes against him. So the challenger here is presenting a challenge on God's policies of blessing those who are seeking after righteousness. In this case, Job, if he's truly seeking after righteousness, same for us, if we're truly seeking after righteousness, it's not going to matter what we have or how our health is. It's going to matter whether we're righteous in the eyes of God. This actually begins, this whole section that we just read, you notice there's a lot of references to darkness and things like that. There are many theologians and interpreters that interpret this as identifying as the undoing of creation because it kind of stands side by side only going the opposite way of when God said, let there be light in Genesis chapter 1. Job is basically saying the opposite. He's saying, let there be darkness. Let this thing not happen. So some people will journey down a route, not saying we're going there today because I really, honestly, as I was reading into this stuff, I don't fully understand the grasp 
on where they're going with this interpretation, but I wanted you to know about it because they interpret it as identifying the undo of creation. And what they do is they look at verses 3 through 13 and they see it as an undoing or an opposite, an unraveling of creation. Not creating order from chaos, but creating chaos from order. So they see a parallel there only on opposite sides. So that's what many people interpret this. But if you look at all the things that Job is saying here, he is really cursing the day he was born, saying that there's, it would be better for the darkness to overrule it. Remember in Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. Job seems to be indicating here, let there be darkness. I, it'd be better if I wasn't born. Curse the day I was born. But the question then becomes, why was I even born? Any of you ever found yourself asking that question? Maybe you're going through something in life. Maybe there's a struggle that you're trying to get past and you can't seem to find a way out. And you just begin asking questions such as, why me, God? Why was I even born? If I was going to have to go through this stuff, why was I even born? This is what Job is asking here as we continue reading there in verse 11. Why was I even born? Let's go ahead and read Job chapter 3, verses 11 and 19. It says, Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? Why did the knees receive me? Or why the breast that I should nurse? For now I would have lain still and been quiet. I would have been asleep. Then I would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who built ruins for themselves, or with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver? Or why was I not hidden like a stillborn, like infants who never saw light? There the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners rest together. They do not hear the voice of the oppressor, and the small and great are there, and the servant is free from his master. So now we notice a shift. He's not only cursing the day he was born, which we discovered in section one a minute ago, he's, he's not only cursing that day, now he's expression that he wishes he had never been born. Now as kids, I know you can relate. I'm sure you've had a point and your kid maybe in your childhood or maybe not as a kid. Maybe you had it more in adult years. Most of us have had an experience to where we asked this question because we were going through something we did not understand. It felt like the world was falling apart around us. Hence Job here in this example. So we begin asking, why was I even born, God? Why did you bring me upon this earth? If it was just going to end up like this. Now we've got to understand something. And here's just a little way of summing up what Job is talking about here. I like the, the commentary I was reading compared it to the netherworld or that world in between lives where there's no where there's no pain in things. He's just it's just finally at rest. Job believes that the netherworld would be a better place to be than his life here on earth. He depicts that it has a place of comfort, rest, ease, and tranquility or calm about it. In other words, even though this, this is not necessarily a true statement, there's irony here. Job is saying it would be better if I had been dead at birth. Remember, he said like a stillborn, cast to the side since I was born. If I'd been born, it would have been better if I had died at birth so I wouldn't have to go through this. At least then there would be peace. Now understand, these words are coming from a man 
who is going through. Many of us have had moments where we're going through whatever it is. And we feel like there is no way out. And we just find ourselves sometimes even screaming at God, wanting to know why, God? Why me? Why was I even born? Why? I've had situations like that myself. But in the end, you've got to realize there's a purpose. And we're going to leave, we're going to end with a verse today that didn't have to do with Job, but we're going to finish Job first. But there was a verse that came tonight, and that's Jeremiah 29, 11. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I don't want to get off to that just yet. But let's go ahead and take a look here. So Job is saying it'd be better off if I was in the netherworld, if I had been stillborn, if I had been just died or whatever at birth, not been here. An example of the type of thing he's going through today, and the commentary gave this example, and I liked it. An example of what's going on right here in Job's mind would be an example of someone today who was starving, but they were looking forward to going to prison because they could get at least three meals in prison because they were starving. On the streets, they're not going to make it, but if they can at least get to prison, they can eat. Now, that's not wishing better. We understand that. But when you're going through stuff, in instance, if you're starving that much, you just want to go to prison so you can eat. Job is looking for rest. It seems like there is no rest in his situation, in his current state. Matter of fact, he ended with it being anguish, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute, I believe. So the next question that we lead to asking when we say, why was I even born, is why am I so miserable? This is where Job goes. As we continue reading there in verse 20, Job jumps to, why am I so miserable, God? Verses 20 to 26, as we get ready to wrap up the chapter today, it says, why is light given to him who is in misery, and life to the bitter of soul, who long for death but it does not come, and search for it more than hidden treasures, treasures sorry, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad with the, when they can find the grave? Why is light given to a man who, whose way is hidden, and whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes before I eat, and my groanings pour out like water. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, for I am, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. Job just shifted it again as we get ready to wrap up chapter 3. Not only is he cursed the day he was born, not only is he regret being born, why was I even born, God, but now he's asking, why am I so miserable? So Job turns to the misery of his present life or his present situation, what he's going through. So he, now he has jumped from that and now he's getting to the misery that he's going through day to day right now in this situation. <clears throat> Basically, here, let me just kind of as we get ready to wrap up this morning, let me just kind of sum up each of these sections as they lead to our next points. Verses 3 to 10, we talk, basically, here's a way to look at what Job is saying. If only the day of my birth had never existed, verses 3 to 10, but since it did, if I had died upon birth and gone straight to the peaceful netherworld, 
verses 11 to 19. But since I didn't, basically, even though I didn't die, but since I didn't die, if only life were not continuing, not my continuing portion, when it is so filled with misery and turmoil. That's verses 12 through 20. Now check out as we get to this next section, and I know 20 was in the first part of what we looked at there. So basically, if I, I why didn't I curse today, but since I was born, well, why didn't I die when I was born? Well, since I didn't die, why am I going through what I'm going through right now? I don't understand, God. It's filled with misery. It's filled with turmoil. Now, I want you to take a notice something as we're continuing to read Job. He has not cursed righteousness. He has not cursed God to his face. He has not spoken of God in any negative manner here. He is reflecting on his own life. So basically what the challenger's been trying to get at so far, it looks good. Now there's a whole bunch of chapters after this one, a lot of which we're going to kind of skip through. But there's something interesting that Job mentions here when he talks about being hedged in. Let me go ahead and take a look at that verse with you. It's verse 23 when he said, Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged? In. What is Job referring to when he's talking about a hedge here? Is he referring to the protective shelter? In other words, God had protection around him? Or is he referring to restrictive, a restrictive barrier? Feeling like he can't go on to what God has for him because of this current situation is stopping him from getting any further. He feels like he's ready to die. He wishes he had never been born. He does all of these things. So when he says hedged in, the thing that the interpreters aren't clear on is, was he talking about uh, before when God had him protected? Or was he talking about the barrier that he's looking at now. Why is light given to a man whose way is, is hidden, whom God has hedged? He's basically saying, why am I going through? I don't understand. So hedged in more than likely, possibly at this point, is looking at a restrictive barrier. He can't get past it. Then he mentions something else as he continues reading there in verse 25. He says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. Woo! The thing I greatly feared has come upon me. What is he referring to there? Well, more than likely, he's referring to losing God's favor. More than likely. Losing God's favor. Remember, and we started out the book of Job. He was making sacrifices for his kids, making sacrifices every day, because he wanted to make sure that whatever happened, he was covered. So now looking back as he's lost everything, it feels as if that favor has been removed. He is wanting to know why he's lost God's favor. He's not blaming God. But why? what did I do? I don't understand. What did I do to lose your favor, God? So here's the question basically to kind of wrap things up today. When Job feared losing God's favor, and this is what the challengers get at when he brings forth this challenge, what he's getting at, I'm sorry. Did he fear forfeiting the benefits connected to God's favor or simply losing his standing before God? Because remember, he had everything. Big family, livestock. He was one of the wealthiest men in the area. He had it all. 
Was he making those sacrifices? Was he doing all these things because he knew if he lost God's favor, he'd have to forfeit all of that? Or was it legitimately saying, I don't want to lose my standing before God, which would be actual righteousness. This is what the challenger is presenting before God using Job. Job feels kind of like the pawn in this story. He's being tested to see, is this righteousness legit? Or is it just something he did because he had stuff? So that brings me back to the beginning when we talked about today's question. Why me, God? Why am I going through, God? Why me? Why did this situation come upon me? Many of you sitting out there looking at me right now have asked yourself that question recently. Why me? What did I do to deserve this, God? You know, we can't always explain the bad things that happen in life and the bad things that happen to good people. But here's what we know. Scripture tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, and we read this over and over here at Next Level Freedom Church because we feel like it is truth that needs to be heard in today's generation. Jeremiah 29, 11, and I did decide to end with this verse today, says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And when you're going through a situation like what Job's going through right now, sometimes verses like that are hard to grasp. God, if you really love me, God, if you really want to see me prosper, God, if you're really looking for my best interest, why am I going through what I'm going through? Many times that question is asked after we've done something, was we've got that choice to make the right decisions in life. We've made a bad decision. Now we want to turn around and blame God for that decision. No, God gave you the choice. Now in Job's case, Job hasn't done anything. There's no just reason for what he's going through right now. We can't explain why he's going through other than he's being tested to see if he will hold to true righteousness or whether all of that will go to the wayside when he loses everything. And this conversation throughout the book of Job kind of goes back and forth. Dealing with that situation, his friends are questioning him. Asking him what he could have done. And Job's like, I haven't done anything, not that I know of. I don't understand why I'm going through this. And many of us can't explain those situations in our life either. But if we trust God, we do know. That God works all things together for the good of those that love Him. We always go back to that verse. Because we don't have all the answers. Sometimes we think we do, but really we don't. I'm going to wrap up today's message. I want to talk to those of you tuning in online. Thank you so much for joining me this morning online for this message. I know it was a little bit different. But I will be back next Sunday. We'll be back at the Civic Center. So if you've tuned through all this please make plans to come and join us. We would love to meet you and your family. And if you're going through something, guys, at the end of our services, we take the time to pray with people who need prayer. And we have seen those prayers benefit and work with those that have been prayed over. So I encourage you, if you're going through, you're looking for a church home, come find us next Sunday, 381 East Deerwood Drive, Jackson, Missouri. Zip code 63755 in case you're trying to GPS it. But if you're looking at me right now and you're saying, I can't explain stuff, I know my life's messed up right now, and maybe you're one of those people that's never actually known to have a relationship with God, let me encourage you, the first step you need to do 
before you pursue after God is to be born again. What is being born again? Well, you receive Christ in your heart. We'll have to do that in a whole other message, but we call it salvation because we're all sinners, the Bible tells us. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we might live. And in order to receive his free gift of salvation, it's as simple as asking. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And the good news is it doesn't take all those words. The Bible says if you believe Jesus came, died, and rose again, you shall be saved. So you just have to ask. Peter calls it repenting. You turn from your old way and you're wanting to follow God's direction of your life. I've got to get out of here today. I see we're running low on time. Can I ask you to do one more thing if you would just receive Christ? Or maybe you're a Christian out there who's trying to witness to a friend right now and you just can't seem to find the verses you're looking for to witness and minister to that person. I want to encourage you guys to go to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. At the top left side of the page, there's a menu button. If you will click on that, Go all the way to the right side and click on another link called The Road to New Life. That's going to take you to a separate website that I created in college. And that is the sole purpose of that website. You follow each page in order. It walks you through the process of salvation. It walks you through the why of salvation and how it was accomplished through Jesus dying. And then once you get to the last page, there's a prayer similar to the one I just prayed with you in case you don't know what words to use that you can use but at the very bottom there's a contact form go ahead and send me a contact that comes directly to my email which is trentcruz at yahoo.com send me that contact i want to know that you received christ i want to celebrate with you then your next step is you that you need to find a good church home that can disciple you and help you grow in your relationship with god so that you can be baptized because that'll be your next step after salvation is baptism so want to encourage you to do that god bless thank you so much for joining me online this morning look forward to seeing those of you watching next sunday at the jackson civic center once again as we continue our series why discussing the life of joe god bless you and i'll see you next week